Good morning. I'm reading from Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, starting at verse 1. On Saturday evening, when the Sabbath ended, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went out and purchased burial spices so they could anoint Jesus' body. Very early on Sunday morning, just at sunrise, they went to the tomb. On the way, they were asking each other, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? But as they arrived, they looked up and saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled aside. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a white robe sitting on the right side. The women were shocked. But the angel said, don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. Look, this is where they laid his body. Now go and tell his disciples, including Peter, that Jesus is going ahead of you to Galilee. You will see him there just as he told you before he died. The women fled from the tomb, trembling and bewildered, and they said nothing to anyone because they were too frightened. Then they briefly reported all this to Peter and his companions. Afterward, Jesus himself sent them out from east to west with the sacred and unfailing message of salvation that gives eternal life. After Jesus rose from the dead early on Sunday morning, the first person who saw him was Mary Magdalene, the woman, the woman from whom he had cast out seven demons. He went to the disi- she went to the disciples who were grieving and weeping and told them what had happened. But when she told them that Jesus was alive and she had seen him, they didn't believe her. Afterward, he appeared in a different form to two of his followers who were walking from Jerusalem into the country. They rushed back to tell the others, but no one believed them. Still later, he appeared to the eleven disciples as they were eating together. He rebuked them for their stubborn unbelief because they refused to believe those who had seen him after he had been raised from the dead. So it's very early on Easter morning and three women, three discouraged, disheartened, defeated women are walking to the tomb where Jesus had been laid after his death. And they've gone there to see Jesus one last time, to honour him by anointing his body with spices and perfumes. And then as they walked along, it suddenly dawned on them. What about the stone? See, a huge stone had been placed across the entrance to the tomb. It had been put there because the authorities had heard a rumour that Jesus had claimed he was going to rise from the dead. Now, they didn't believe that Jesus could rise from the dead, but they were worried that the disciples might steal the body and then claim that Jesus had risen. And that was the last thing that they needed because they were wanting to put an end to this Jesus person and all the trouble that he was causing. So they put a huge stone in front of the entrance to the tomb. And the stones that were used to 
to seal tombs were massive. And to move it, you had to roll it. That was, that was an impossible task for three women. There was no way that they could roll away that huge stone on their own. It was an insurmountable, impossible obstacle for them. And as they were walking to the tomb, they realised this. The women were faced with the impossible, a stone that was an insurmountable obstacle. Many of us know what that feels like, don't we? We know what it feels like to have an insurmountable obstacle in our lives, to have a stone, not a stone that covers the entrance to a tomb, but something that we feel is just impossible, something that we can't do anything about, something that is large and heavy and try as we might, we can't seem to budget. As those women walked to the tomb this mo- that morning, the stone that lay in front of the tomb seemed like that, like a huge impossible obstacle. And they said to each other, what are we going to do about the stone? But what did they find when they arrived at the tomb? The stone had been rolled away. They didn't realise it at first, but what had happened was that Jesus, after laying dead in the tomb for three days, had gotten up, shaken off his grave clothes, just pushed the stone away and walked out of the tomb. At that moment, Jesus not only changed the lives of those women and their friends, He changed the lives of you and me and anyone who is willing to accept him. So, what is your stone? What is the insurmountable obstacle that you are facing? The people that were around Jesus on that first Easter weekend faced some pretty big challenges. They had some pretty big stones in their lives. And maybe you can relate to some of them. Let's go back to Mary and the other women at the tomb. Now, to say that these women were discouraged was an understatement. They were devastated. They were heartbroken. See, Jesus was their close friend. But also they believed that he was the Messiah that had come to save their people. They'd put their faith in him. They'd put their hopes and their dreams in him. They believed that he was God in human flesh. But then he died this horrible, gruesome death and was buried in a tomb and their hopes were shattered. And they weren't the only ones that were feeling like that. Can you imagine how Jesus' disciples must have been feeling? They had left everything to follow this man. They'd lived with him, travelled with him. They'd saw him 
heal people who were crippled, restore sight to the blind. They saw him feed 5,000 people with five loaves of bread and two little fish. They saw him raise people from the dead. And now he was dead. He'd been humiliated, shamed and brutally murdered. To say they were disappointed would be an understatement. They must have been devastated, disillusioned, their dreams shattered. Then Mark tells us about two men that were walking along the road. And if you look at Luke's account, you get a little bit more information about these men who were walking along the road to Emmaus. Luke says that they were talking and they said, we hoped that he was the one. And I reckon they summed up the feeling of so many of Jesus' followers. We had hoped. Now, any time you start talking about hope in the past tense, you know you're in trouble. Like, I had hoped that this Easter someone would develop an Easter egg that has no calories. I had hoped that William, Kate and George would visit Australia and we would talk about more than what they're wearing. I had hoped for an Easter when it didn't rain. Hang on a sec, we got that, didn't we? (laughs) So far. I had hoped. Have you ever had your hopes crushed? And I'm not just talking about the weather. We all have hopes and dreams, don't we? Maybe you hoped that you'd meet the perfect man and woman, that you'd be married and you'd live happily ever after. Maybe you hoped and dreamed that you would have a child. Maybe you hoped that your adult children would turn their lives around. Maybe you hoped that you would be able to get out of debt, that you would be healthy, that you would live to a ripe old age. Maybe you hoped that you'd go to school and you'd be liked and respected and people wouldn't pick on you. We all have hopes and dreams, don't we? And when those hopes and dreams go unfulfilled, our hopes are shattered. It's discouraging. Sometimes it's devastating. Those women walk to the tomb with shattered hopes. Jesus' disciples, the men walking to Emmaus, their hopes and their dreams had been shattered. But what Jesus did that morning changed everything. I love the way the DVD that we saw at the beginning portrayed that. Suddenly it dawned on them what had happened and their faces turned from sadness to joy and they just laughed. The fact that Jesus rose from the dead It filled them with joy and with with new hope. And that can be true for us too. 
Life will still deliver its crushing blows. You only have to talk to the people that are in this room to know that that's true. But because of what Jesus did, we can actually live with hope. And the hope that we have is not just that we're going to live a life after this life that is so much better than this one. Mind you, that, that is a pretty good hope. <laughs> but we have hope in this life too. A reason and a purpose for living. See, God promises us an abundant life. Not an easy life, but an abundant life that starts now and never, ever ends. So if your stone is shattered hopes this morning, know that Jesus can roll that stone away just like he did that first Easter morning. If you'll let him, he can restore your hope. Murray and Geordie and I watched The Passion of the Christ on Good Friday, the movie. And something struck me afresh as I watched that movie. As Jesus went through emotional, spiritual and physical torture, the disciples, the 12 men that were his closest friends, all but one of them abandoned him. Of the 12 men, those guys that had been handpicked by Jesus, who walked with him, they lived with him, they knew him deeply, only one of them, John, had the courage to go and stand at the foot of the cross as he was crucified. The rest were in hiding. They were afraid for their own lives. They were sure that they were next. The Bible says in John chapter 20 that after the crucifixion, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. They thought that the Jewish leaders were going to come after them. They were confused, they were fearful and they stayed huddled together, hiding from the authorities behind locked doors. Jesus had told them to meet them in Galilee but they didn't do that. They were paralysed by their fear. Fear does that to you, doesn't it? It closes windows and locks doors. It's almost like a prison of our own making. And it keeps us from accomplishing what God wants us to do. John 20 verse 19 says, That Sunday evening the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. Suddenly something changed. And the next thing that you know, these same guys are out in the city streets and in the synagogues boldly proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. In the years following, they became the founders of the church. They preached the gospel throughout Jerusalem, Judea and beyond. And most of them died 
as martyrs for their faith. So what made the difference? What changed them from fearful, cowering men hiding behind locked doors to bold, courageous men proclaiming their faith with no fear even for their own lives? The difference was the power of the resurrection of Jesus. Look at what the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8, verse 11. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. Did you get that? The same power that raised Jesus from the dead was now living in them and so they no longer had to fear. Maybe like those disciples, you live with fear. Maybe that's your stone. Maybe you're afraid of the future. Maybe you're afraid of being honest about what you really believe. Maybe you're afraid of being alone or being in a crowd or spiders or thunderstorms or the dark. If you're a believer, if you're a Christ follower, the fact that Jesus rose from the dead means that the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. The power of the resurrection is available to you and you don't ever need to fear. Or maybe your stone is doubt or unbelief. I love the way you can read the different gospel accounts and you get different views of what happened after the resurrection. It's typical of an eyewitness account, isn't it? If we suddenly had some major catastrophe happen now, say we had a massive earthquake and the roof fell in, I imagine that the stories we all told of what happened would be very different. They give our perspective of what happened. That's what the Gospels are like. Mark says an angel appeared to the women and told them that Jesus had risen from the dead, that the women ran ran straight to the disciples, but the disciples didn't believe them. John tells us that Peter and John ran to the tomb to see for themselves. Mark tells us that Jesus then appeared to Mary and to the men on the road to Emmaus, who also ran and told the disciples who still didn't believe. Mark doesn't tell us about Thomas, one of the disciples, but you can read about him in John. Thomas, even when the rest of the disciples believed, still did not believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. Thomas says, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and I can put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wound in his side. Till I can do that, I'm not going to believe that Jesus has risen. Even one of Jesus' closest friends struggled with unbelief. Thomas, he was a sceptic. 
He couldn't believe until he saw the evidence. Thomas has copped a fair bit of flack over the centuries, hasn't he? But he certainly isn't the only person to ever doubt the Christian faith, is he? Maybe some of you here today, maybe, maybe you have doubts about whether all of this is really true. Maybe that's your stone, doubt and unbelief. I've been a believer for many years, but I'd be lying if, I've, if I said I've never asked the question, what if all of this is just a great big con? Let me tell you about a guy called Lee Strobel. Some of you will have heard of him. He was more than a sceptic. He was a lawyer who worked as an, an investigative journalist at the Chicago Tribune. He was a confirmed atheist, so he wasn't just sceptical, he was, was an atheist. Then one day his wife became a Christian and as her faith grew, he noticed a real change in her. He was actually afraid of losing her and so he decided that he would set himself a mission to investigate Jesus. His goal was to prove to his wife that Jesus didn't exist. He used a whole lot of resources that he had access to, being a journalist. He talked to scholars, to historians, and he found that he had no trouble proving that Jesus existed. That wasn't a problem at all. But he soon realised that everything hinged on the resurrection. See, whether Jesus existed or not is not such a big deal. But if Jesus really died and came back to life like he said he would, then that validated everything else that he ever said and proved that he was who he claimed to be. So this man spent two years on his investigation and, and then, overwhelmed by the evidence, he gave his life to Jesus. And he wrote his story in a book called The Case for Christ, which is well worth reading. When Thomas saw the evidence, when he saw Jesus with his own eyes, when he touched the scars on his hands and he placed his hands on the wound in his side, his reaction was the same as Lee Strobel's. He fell down onto his knees and he said, my Lord and my God. Ask yourself this morning, do I really believe that Jesus died and rose from the dead? Because if you do, it will change everything. If you're not there yet, I'd say keep searching, keep reading, talk to people that you trust, talk to God even, because he can handle the debate, he really can. Did you notice in verse 7, the little aside, an angel appeared to the women and he said, if you're looking for Jesus, he's not here. He has risen. Go and tell the disciples and Peter. 
You've got to love Peter, don't you? He's a simple guy. He's a passionate follower of Jesus, but he's an all or nothing kind of guy. On the night that Jesus was arrested, Peter was all in. You can read about it in John 13. Peter says, Lord, I will lay down my life for you. I will do anything. By sunrise the following morning, Peter had denied that he even knew Jesus three times. He failed Jesus. He didn't even have the courage to admit that he knew him. I know what it's like to fail, to let someone down. Do you know what that's like? Can you imagine how Peter must have felt? After Jesus' death, rather than head to Galilee as Jesus had told him to, Peter went back to what he knew best. He went back to fishing. He walked away. He quit. He went back to his old life. But Jesus sought him out. First the angel singles him out. He says, tell the disciples and make sure you tell Peter. And then you can read about it in John 21. Peter and the disciples, they're out fishing. And they're not having any success. And suddenly there's a man standing on the shore calling out to him. And he says, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And the disciples think, hang on a minute. This seems very familiar. This has happened before. And they realise it's Jesus. And then they sit together down on the beach. They build a barbecue. They cook the fish. And during the meal, Jesus asks Peter three times, do you love me? And three times Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. Peter got a second chance. We have a God of second chances. Maybe your stone is that you've failed and you can't really get over it. If that's you, hear this. There is nothing that you have done or can do or ever will do that will make Jesus love you any less. The day that Jesus rose from the dead, he gave you and he gave me a second and a third and a millionth chance. We keep failing and he keeps saying, it's okay, take my hand, come on, let's start again. Jesus' resurrection restored shattered hopes. It defeated fear, it defeated doubt, and it defeated failure. And there's one more thing. Did you know that the chance that you will die in an earthquake is 1 in 117,000? The chance that you will die from a wasp or bee sting is 1 in 56,000. The chance that you will die in a motorbike accident is 1 in 1,000. 
the chance that you will die in a car accident is one in 84,000. No, that's wrong. The chance you will die in a car accident is one in 84. And all the motorbike riders are going, hmm, that's right. <laughs> one in 84 that you will die in a car accident. The chance that you will die from getting shot is one in 314. Now, I think that probably changes depending on where you live. If you live in Detroit or New York, your chances are probably a little bit higher than if you live in Gorakin. <laughs> the chance that you will die from a fall is one in 200. From a stroke, one in 24. From heart disease, one in five. Remember that when you're eating your Easter eggs. You're feeling good now, aren't you? <laughs> well, it gets better. The chance that you will die is one in one. One hundred percent. We are all going to die. Death has a hundred percent success rate. We are all going to die. That is until Jesus. By his resurrection, Jesus has conquered death. Paul put it this way. But the fact is that Christ has been raised from the dead. He has become the first of a great harvest of those who will be raised to life again. So you see that just as death came into the world through a man, Adam... Now the resurrection from the dead has begun through another man, Christ. Everyone dies because all of us are related to Adam, the first man. But all who are related to Christ, the other man, will be given new life. All throughout Jesus' ministry, he promised one thing that nobody else could offer, eternal life, immortality. Jesus came into this world to offer abundant life that begins now and never, ever ends. And that means that how you respond to Jesus really is a matter of life and death. I've had the privilege of being with many people in the last days of their lives. And when someone loves Jesus, you can see it on their face. They don't fear death. If that's your stone, if death terrifies you, then know that Jesus, when he died and rose again, he rolled that stone away. Your earthly life, this body, that will end. But your life will never end. Have you ever wondered why God rolled the stone away from Jesus' tomb? Not long after Jesus rose from the dead, he just appeared in a room where the disciples were. The door was locked and he just walked straight through it. He could have just walked straight through the stone, couldn't he? He didn't have to move it. So why did he move the stone away? We don't really know. 
But here's what I think. I think you did it for Mary and for Peter and for James and for John and for us. Just to show us that he can do the impossible. And you know what the awesome thing is? God still moves stones. Whatever challenges you face, whatever boulders block your path, whether it's shattered hopes or fear or doubt or failure or even death, I want you to hear this Easter morning that God still moves stones and he stands ready to move yours if you'll let him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that we worship a God who is risen, a God who defeated death, who rolled away the stone. Lord, you know each one of us here this morning. You know the challenges that we face. You know the stones that weigh us down and hold us back and block our paths. Stones that seem impossible for us to move. We thank you that the same power that rolled the stone away from the tomb of Jesus over 2,000 years ago, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to us to overcome fear and failure, to give us hope and to give us an abundant life that starts now and never, ever ends. Lord, as we leave here today, may we be people who walk in the power of the resurrection. We ask that in the name of our risen Lord, Jesus. Amen.